0: Welcome to Kashrus On The Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight we have this very special guest, Rabbi Avram Wright, who has been with us uh, before, but it was a couple of years ago, about three years ago. And our our topic then was kaparas. Remember that one?
1: Yes, thank you, Wickler, for having me here again tonight. And, yeah, I remember we spoke about Kaparis.
0: The, the problems haven't been resolved, though. <laughs> There's yeah. still people uh, not, not necessarily getting the best places to, uh, to, to do the Kaparis and important things to know about when you go to a Kaparis center. But that's not our problem for tonight. We're not going to be discussing it. Instead, our program tonight is going to be about the chauffeur. So, okay. Okay. So uh, tonight's program will be about the shofar, and Rabbi Avram Wright is my guest, and we're going to be discussing, well, the general issue, as well as his sefer, which is called Takab a Mastering Shofar Blowing. It's uh, put out by Feldheim, and it's a beautiful book. Oh, my goodness. Just the pictures alone are worth it, Uh, but obviously it discusses exactly how to do things, and it's it's a little different than... uh, you know, the chauffeur books that you normally see, the normal chauffeur books are talking about how you make a chauffeur, the different kinds of chauffeur, etc. But here we're talking about uh, how to blow the chauffeur because uh, R- Rabbi Wright is also uh, somebody who trains and coaches, actually, people who are doing chauffeur blowing, but a lot of people have a lot to learn. Actually, Rabbi Wright has, has written uh, a number of books. You want to just mention them to us?
1: Yeah, we, we have on the the whole Tishrei season, we have the Kabbal on mastering Shofar blowing, which, as every book said, is to train a person how to blow Shofar properly. You have to do the full hundred keys at, on Rosh Hashanah without feeling tired, exhausted. You have to do it with a geschmack. I know people that that um, I somebody just sent me a video of a person who trained from my book who was able to blow a Tikkis for over a minute. Uh, <laughs> The video itself runs well, we from... have
0: to get the Guinness World record <laughs> to find out what the maximum was. The
1: video runs for a minute and 15 seconds, and most of that is just Take Gadela. Wow. Yeah. And uh, we have Zeka Parosi on the how and why of Kaparis, the custom of Kaparis, why do Kaparis, what's the idea behind Kaparis, what's accomplished with the Kaparis. And the third book on the Tishrei season is the Kihatamba on how to buy a and sets this book apart from most other books. Yeah, most that,
0: of the other books seem to be about the halachas right. of, the, of how to perform the mitzvah. But you're, you're concentrating on something very unique which I think more, most people do need.
1: Yeah, Most of the books focus on halachas of what, what's kosher what's not kosher and because of that they go off on tangents with all kinds of things that you'll never see in the market. They're trying to explain shulchan but those are things that the, these sellers don't bother even putting on their tables. Uh, what we focus on is how to buy, how to hold an esteric in the shop, how to look at an esteric and see if it's clean or not clean, how to check a luluf if it's whole and not whole, how to check a luluf if it's split without opening the luluf and damaging the luluf further.
0: That's a very important thing. I mean, people have a responsibility, and they also, you know, a lot of times, most of uh, the people do not really have a rov to run to. So I mean, the, the, over the years, I ended up running many times to the Rabunum uh to uh to, to, to take check a lulav and esrog to make sure that we're getting something that has no shaila and uh, in in lot situations you don't have that uh, that that luxury to run to a Rav and many people don't have a rov that they would be able to go to so you're really telling them how to perform the mitzvah of, of, of buy the proper lulav and esrog uh, and obviously the, the cards are stacked against them because the the uh, the setup in the in the stores is is not promoting that. It's really a very big asset.
1: Well, it really depends on where you shop. If you're shopping <laughs> in the, the exclusive stores that sell only the best quality, or you're shopping on the no, street, which you only the, get the, um, the even if it's of not down. even
0: if it's not the street, even if it's a store and they, he has different qualities, it it definitely is confusing to the person, and they do need some some kind of training because what the other book says is if it has a black dot, this is the halakha. But how to see that black dot and to realize whether it is a black dot or it's really nothing at all and it doesn't have any, it's not no gayer to the halacha at all. That kind of a decision, you know, really would be is very helpful.
1: Yeah, the, one other book I was telling you about every quick is that we wrote a book on explaining the reason why a person might want to make chabur matzus and the right way to do it without to interfere with the. Not to, not to get in the way of this, the, the factory, and how to make sure that the matzahs that you're working on, your khabura are actually better than the store matza. matzah. That, but that book has only been published as a, um, a preview edition. It was never fully completed and has never published. Uh, well, it better cover.
0: be by the <laughs> <laughs> always, <it's> always <laughs> by our time hope. of face that we certainly hope so. It's always our hope
1: to have every book the, out for the that, next that doesn't always a, happen.
0: So but what started you on the uh, on these particular... Uh, Mitzvahs, as opposed to uh, anything else.
1: Okay, um, I started. The first book I wrote was on Kihatama was on how to buy a and esterik. When I was a bach in Eretz Yisrael, close to thirty years ago, I was introduced to then to a yid, a Moshe Heller, who was a, a moitz they call in a yid, a old yid, a poistic, who was an expert on Araminim And in the Araminim season, there were, he lived in the Meisharim. There was lines down the black, it took hours and hours to get in over there somebody introduced me to him they took me in the back door they sat me down over there and the pre-season sessions I watched what he did I heard him train his his own young uh, tamidim that were going to help him and I sat and watched them for a few days maybe 15 hours or so maybe less and I learned that there's a tremendous amount of information that you get from seeing and hearing the Rav talk that you're never going to ever see in Shulchan Aruch how to identify all the things that Shulchan is talking about and which things are prevalent and which things are not and then the D'chaysh Mishpah is mentioned earlier how to hold an esrig if you're standing in the store and you're holding two esrigim you're liable to damage one of them never hold two esrigim at once never hold two them at the same time most often the this comes to the store in good condition and it's damaged by the customers who rummage through it when a, when a customer goes through a box of him, the backs have hundred of 111 most likely one or two otherwise kosher love him became postal just because he went through that box wow so you have this, to learn how to
0: this is this is very very important to I me mean, you know and one of the things that that people don't realize is that even if the if the one who's selling them which is very often not the owner of the store but even if the person who's selling these uh, uh, Lou love him says oh it's okay that's only that, that doesn't really. That he was still the Mazik. He maybe he's going to be Michael, and there's no Momenus, and therefore we're not going to maybe maybe this but You're 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 getting walk out of there, okay. But you have to realize that you were the Mazik, even if somebody lets you off. You were a Mazik. I always like to tell the story about Rav Miller's atzal, of Vigda Miller, where he somebody uh, he spilled accidentally something on on one of the, some Balabos, and on Shabbos I think it was and. And he said, the, the way, I'll take care of it, I'll pay for it. And the, and the man said, Rabbi Miller, you know, I don't have to pay for it, no problem at all. Meanwhile, Rabbi Miller sent him a check during the week. And he says, and the, they didn't return it to me. <laughs> it means the man took the check and he used it. Because obviously, even though he said it doesn't bother him, really it did bother him. And any, and any self-respecting individual, when he sees some of his chariot being ruined, does feel bad about it.
1: You mentioned Miller. The story goes that Miller, when he went to shop for his S-Rig, he never picked up the S-Rig when he wanted to see it. He went to the store, he looked at the stuff on display in front of him on the table. If a certain S-Rig interested him, he would tell the storekeeper to please turn it over so he can see the other side. Wow. And he chose the S-Rig that he never touched the S-Rig. That's what they say. Wow. Wow.
0: That's an amazing story. Uh, we, we, we have to hear to discuss that struggle we hope we're going to get you back for discuss the struggle before the time let's do the chauffeur uh, let, you know I, when a, a chauffeur everybody knows what a chauffeur is I mean, it can be from different animals but basically uh, it's mostly a rams one no no uh, but the chauffeur doesn't come the way we see it when we use it and we buy it in the store there's a there's something that' there's lots that's done to it and is it always okay is it? Are there situations where an, a chauffeur could be made non-kosher? Are all the chauffeurs that are being sold today in the store perfect? Or is there something that our people have to know about buying a chauffeur and uh, you know a, a, about what went into it and maybe maybe the quality, the importance of it, to, what maybe gives a little background on that, even though we're not going to discuss exactly how to make a chauffeur because I don't think we're going to be able to do that on the show.
1: Okay, you asked a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> I'm just giving you a little bit of talk about. <laughs> Let me see how many of those, how many of those I can answer.
1: Which animals does the shofar come from? Most of the stuff available in the Judaic stores comes from Rams. There's a small amount of of that come from kudu. Kudu is that really nice long right. Twirly horn. They can run you. They can. They can be as long. Yemenite, Yemenite. Yeah. They call the Yemenite shayfers sometimes. Some people even call them Sfaridi shayfers. They're. They twirl. They can be six feet long around the curl. They can run you a price of two hundred dollars. They make a really beautiful deep sound. And according to Shochanor, you're not allowed to use them on Shoshana. The Machaber and Shochanor says that the shayfer you blow on Shoshana has to be from an aisle. According to some Rishonim, it's ma'akev. It's if it don't use, if it's not from a ram, we'll talk about exactly what an aisle is in a minute. If it's not from an aisle, it's possible. The mechaber does not hold it parcel, he just holds it wrong. You should not use a kudu or those horns on Shoshana. There is a group of people that have a minug to use it. Nobody's ever told them not to use it. That's their minug. But according to Shachanoroch, you're not supposed to use that. Okay, so that's it's actually
0: an, an African antelope.
1: Yeah, the kudu is an African antelope, that's correct. Okay, so those chafas are available, but you can buy it, enjoy it, but, but don't blow it on, on Rosh Hashanah. If you do need to use Rosh Hashanah, it would be Yaytzei, but it's not preferred. There's, there's a very small amount of goat horns available in the stores. Those are, according to the Mishnah Buddha, kosher almost as good as if they were an aisle. Let's backtrack a second. What is an isle? Literally, an isle translates as a ram. A ram, according to the Gemara, an isle, according to the Gemara, is a lamb which is more than, is a ram which is more than three years old. A male sheep more than three years old is called an isle. That's when the Torah says the word isle. It always means a male sheep over three years. But, most of those horns, we have no, there's no tracking on where they come from. They can come from rams, they can come from younger sheep, yearlings they're called, they can come from females, ewes, and according to Mishbura, that's all included in what says, ayel. Nashulchanach says ayel, it means the species of ayel, so anything which is that species, the males, the females, the young, the children, are all we'll called Shul
0: We wouldn't be able to recognize the difference?
1: No, no, you would not recognize the difference. On the species of sheep that the females have horns, once it gets processed and and in the market, you can't, you can't tell the difference. On the sheep itself, or freshly caught, you compare the same species of sheep, not different species, same species of sheep, generally speaking, in, the same, in one species, the males will have larger, more curly horns than the females of the same species. But the females of one species might be larger and, and more curled uh-huh. Than, uh-huh. The, than of a different species. So you can't tell once they reach the market. And being that, unofficially, all Schäuferists are black market because they all come from third world countries that don't have relationships with the countries that produce the Schäuferists. All Schaeffers are have to go through the black market to get where they are. So there is absolutely no tracking and no tracing of the animal where the, that the Schäufer came from.
0: Now, we, there, I'm not, we're not going to go through the process, but there's a certain thing called keratin which has to be uh, removed. Uh, that's, uh, that's, yeah. no,
1: the keratin is not removed. The outer shape the outer layer of the horn yeah. is the keratin. That is the keratin. and that is what's formed into the Schaffer. Uh, and that the is, inner what layer we'll, is there's an formed. inner layer of cartilage or in some animals bone, which mm. is what's removed. Now you asked the you mentioned different thing earlier about the design chifers. The shafers have patterns on them. Some of them are engraved. The there's no problem with an engraved Schaffer. If you carve something in the shaifer, you carve the bracha. I've seen shaifers in museums that they had the brachas carved in them. Many of the older shaifers, they cut it down in the new shaifers because it didn't, it didn't look right. It was hard to make. It. But in the older shaifers, very often you, the ridge, there's a ridge that runs the from the tip, the top of the bell, which is the wide open part of the of the top. The Starting from the top, there's a small ridges that run down to the shofar. If you count, usually it's 13. Sometimes it's 12 because the top is cut off. Usually it's thirteen, and those represent. Take a guess. They represent one for Tkir, three for shvarim, nine for truah. Uh-huh. Usually, usually one of them, the first one or the last one, depending which side you're counting, the first or the last one will be larger. Three will be in a row, a little bit in between, and then you'll have nine small ones. Uh-huh. If you have an old trafer, check it out. Sometimes it's less than that because the, the guy who was carving it didn't have enough room. Or the chauffeur was was at one time trimmed off the top. That something was trimmed off, and and um, you no longer have thirteen. Very interesting.
0: Very interesting. Now you, but, but we're not going to really talk about how they make it because it's a little bit of a trade secret when people make these chauffeurs. They take they take a year or more to make them. But let's let's go into the uh, topic of buying a chauffeur, even though we're not going to discuss all of it. A little bit about buying a chauffeur.
1: There's two things that I have to discuss in that topic. One is when you choose a shoifer, there's a small amount of shoifers available in the gift shops that have these silver bands or some other decorative thing added onto the schafer. According to Shechan that's a problem. Those bands can alter the sound of the shoifer and if it does alter the schaefer, it's possible. And Machaber says, because it's too hard to know which bands would be used and which would alter the sound, which ones won't alter the sound, avoid anything of the shoifer. The says even to avoid a painted shoifer. Means if they put paint on the shaifer to decorate it, according to the Machabi, you're not supposed to use such a shafer a Somebody just called me this week and asked me about shafers that have shellac. I've never seen a shafer that's been shellacked. But somebody told me that he heard that there are that are shellacked. I think he's making a mistake. I don't think it's true. But if it's true that there are shaifers with shellac on them, you have to avoid such a shaifer. Now, what they do, do to the shafers, is they put a wax. I don't know what the wax is made of, but they do put a wax on the shafers to make them, po- to polish them, to make them look nice, shiny, bright. You should want to buy it. Th- that wax is rubbed in and removed from the shofar. There's nothing you you don't feel it on the surface. You rub your finger on, you don't feel the wax. So in the lachet of chatzitza, that would not be called a chatzitza. It shouldn't be a problem. It should be considered to be rebuttal. It shouldn't be counted as anything significant, and therefore it shouldn't be a problem. So most shofars in the market have been waxed.
0: But so- sometimes there are people doing putting something inside the shofar. Like they call the, the uh polyurethane or lacquer. I've that's, never that's...
1: seen shoifers that have polyurethane or lacquer on them. Well, it could be they have but they exist I've just never seen them. I did spend a few years working as a not as a shopper but going with people to the stores and we went to the warehouses and went through hundreds of cases of shoifers. I've never seen a schaeffer that's been lacquered. It could be they exist I've just never seen them.
0: And there was another another thing where they were finding shoifers that were, that were made in a mold
1: the resin chaffers, you mean the resin or you mean the, the ones that are formed in a mold? Form, a, changing, the, altering the shape of the twist of the chaffer and everything, that's standard. That's been on all the for thousands of years. We don't have no problem with that. But there are resin chaffers which are really made for musicians in orchestras that play, that play music. They use a chaffer for a certain sounds, and they need to have predictable sound. A chaffer in the market, every chaffer makes a different sound. So they have these resin chaffers. Yeah, you should, they're marketed. They say that they're resin. Avoid them
0: what other tips can you give me About by able, buying... Not buying not. there is
1: one more thing about the buying there's been over the years a few times where people, Rabbanim and such, have discovered putty in the shoifah. The shoifah had a crack or a hole in it and the manufacturer tried to cover it with putting in putty now the, what would the halachic status that shoifah be if it had the crack or had the hole is not relevant to this discussion now that it has putty in it, it's unquestionably possible the shoifers with pretty is unquestionably possible. How often do they find the schafers? There's two, three reports a year of people finding them, which means is that that's what the reports are, there's a few more out there. Out of thousands of shafers that are being sold every year, there's a very small number. The people who are nervous about this, they got together a group, and they now produce shoifers with a Heksha, a mashkir, who stands there in the factory the entire time the shafer being, being produced, and those things are marketed with heksher, mostly it's the Heksha the Eidach Redas, it's not the rabbanut teixha. The rabbanut teixha only tells you that the shayfer is made from an aisle. It does not tell you anything about the manufacture of the shayfer.
0: So most of the shayfers or all the shayfers are coming from Israel.
1: Most shayfers um, come from Israel. A small amount are produced in other countries, but it, they're not they're not significant in the open market.
0: And we're going to just mention. I'm not trying to do any business for anybody, but there are some people who are specialists and they sell the chauffeur and they also train a little bit It's such a matzius.
1: Well, I'll take that a step further. Generally, the people who are involved with they the ones who make these shofers to Dachsherem, are very passionate about shoifers, and they not only do they make the Schaefer the but it's a much higher quality shayfer. The average schafer, I hope no Judaica stores are listening to this, but the average schafer sold in the Judaica store, anything priced under hundred dollars was not intended to be used as a shayfer for the mitzvah. It's meant only as a gift. You well, may well, find you may find some shayfers that are actually good and can you actually blow, but most of them are poor quality when it comes to shayfer. The professional balutkia all go to either to special buyers, special sellers. Or they go to, they pay upper ends. uh, A professional Baltakea pays upwards of $300 for a Mm Schaefer. And those Schaefer's are a whole different ballgame. As one guy told me, it practically blows itself. (laughs) Now, if you're in your shul, your Baltakea, but one of those $50 Schaefer's and that's what he's using, that's why he's having a hard time.
0: (laughs) Really? You think that that? It
1: It makes a huge difference. The quality of the workmanship of the Schaefer. Wow. Makes a huge difference. People come to me all the time. With a simple file, I can change the sound of the shofar from being a grumpy, lumpy, hoarse, raspy shofar into a clear, almost whistle quality in thirty seconds. Unbelievable. Why didn't the guy in the store do that? Why didn't the manufacturer he, do that? Because he didn't care.
0: They probably not how even.
1: No, they're not trying to sell it as a, as for, for the mitzvah.
0: Now let's get to the, the kiosk themselves. Uh, it, there, are, what? What first of all, there there are there are three things that are, that are interesting to me. One is the question of how much you have to hear. What's the din, and and what's uh, and and then there's also the types of sounds because some of them there's there's different minhagim about. I mean, it's based on them but, but there's different minhagim of how the sounds are supposed to sound. to to do, Whatever it is back and forth, there's different sheeters about how to how all these things are supposed to sound, and and and. Uh, what would be the the appropriate thing for a person to look for to make sure that he heard, in terms of the number of the, the cases or the types of the cases, and then we have the question about the how good the shofar blowing is, because sometimes there are people who are trying very hard, but they are not very successful, and the question is whether the people are yotzei, and. That, that's the whole topic.
1: I, again, every weekly you ask me a lot of questions. I'll
0: let you handle them the way you like to. <laughs>
1: let's see how many I can get to. The first question, how many sounds do you have to hear? Well, if you're tam HaMetrochem you know that there's, that there's a Gemara on that and there's a Rishonim on that and a lot, a lot of rage. When it comes to the end of the day, according to the machab and Shulchan you have to hear a minimum of 30 different types of sounds. Okay, I'll, I'll name those for you. It's a takia a shvarim truah and a tekiah, that's one. You have to hear that three times, that series. You have to hear a tekiah, shvarim, tekiah three times, and a tekiah, truah, tekiah three times. I assume that the audience knows what a shvarim and truah are and a shvarim truah are. Right. We don't have to explain those. But according to a machaber, you have to hear a minimum of these 30 sounds. Okay, three times, shvarim truah three times is four, is 12, and shvarim three times is... Is uh, nine and shwarm and then two or three times is nine. It adds up to be thirty. So once you hear thirty sounds, you're good. The question uh, I was, was trying to get to is: What are those thirty sounds? There are different minhagim and how to make these sounds. The very basic minig is what's called the flat. The, the main thing, the main issue, is the shwarm. There's a little bit of an issue with the trua, but the main issue is on the shwarm. What is the sound? What is the proper sound of the shwarm? There. are there's two main minhagim of the Ashkenaz Jews on how to, <clears throat> on how to make swarm sh- Shwarm. My Swabian friends tell me that the Swabian swarm sh- is a plain flat sound, just like the Polish swarm and the Hungarian swarm, It's a plain flat sound. If we have time, I'll try to take out the shofar and demonstrate what these sounds sound like. But there is a, a different sound, which was, which was the Russian swarm, which is today blown mostly in the yeshivas. Um, a variation of it is blown by Chabad, by those Baletikea who know how to make the sound properly. And just the Baltekeo who blows in the Stalin Shul and bar just told me that last week that in Stalin also, which is a Russian Hasidist, they also blow a variation of this shvarim. In this, it goes sort of in saying it, saying it rather than blowing mm-hmm. it. It sounds like two. as a three-part sound. It starts on a low note, it goes to a high note goes to a low note all really quick in in and in one short sound
0: that's one schwarm
1: is right. uh, it possible to demonstrate this? i think this yes. is the best yeah thing. i'm gonna get to, gonna get get to it best in a things second to do. i'm gonna get to that in a second okay. but rahim Salvechik is on record as having he didn't he didn't appreciate the two two sound with, with three parts and based on rahim's influence most of the shivis now blow a two part schwarm which is which in most of the world is starts on the low note and goes high, two, but, sorry, it goes ooh, two, starts on high and goes low, starts high, ooh, two, but in Lakewood they do it the other way. They do two and then ooh, okay? Now, if you can set me up over here, I would like to demonstrate some of the sounds.
0: Go ahead. Definitely, definitely, go ahead, you know, because we're talking about the... Uh, There's a, a music There's something, something that's really <laughs> we'll important some, to the music. Let's see yeah. if
1: we can pull off a flat charm <laughs> Okay. over here. I'll do one set of that. That was a flat. Basically, right. that's when you hear the kids' tapes. That's basically how they do right. it. That's basically that's how the Polish Jews do it. The, the Russian, the uh, Hungarians, most of the most of those places, the generally the Hasidim, and a lot of Babatish places do it that way. Uh, the Svar do it like that. But in the old, in the, in the old Russian minyan, Chabad still builds a variation of it, and Stone builds a different variation of it, and probably other Hasidim. I just don't know about them variations of what's called the broken shvarim. That's a three-part. starts right. starts low, goes high, comes down low. Based on Chaim, we took off one part. We'll do that. Now, I had an interesting conversation today. I was sitting with a group of people and one fellow from, who grew up in a large Jewish city outside of New York told me, that before he came to New York, he never heard of these funny extra sounds. Somebody else who grew up here, he's now a man, he's almost close to 80, who grew up here in New York before, before the Second World War, told me that hearing growing up in New York, he only heard the broken shwarams. He never heard a flat shwaram until the Chassidim came to New York <laughs> after the Second World War. So, which is the real shwaram?
0: Who knows? Yeah. So uh, In some places, they, they blow, uh, they blow uh, all of them. I mean at least they try to do it they do they do one through the the uh uh the you know the they do one for both the uh the uh, the the uh, event for the me the the movement and then or then at the end they blow a whole series in the right different way
1: well the reason why there are different minhagim is is based on a maho it's very hard to figure out from the language and reason wording from a somebody who lived a thousand years ago and how they use those kind of words but it's basically understood in certain richard, name, Most, the, mostly they put it on the ritva, that the shvarm has to be perfectly s- flat as if it was the same sound of a tekiah. There's a lashon in the Ramban, which is a relatively new Rishon, because it was only printed in the 1950s for the first time, the Ramban on the Drushes, where he talks about this, who describes the shvarm that the sound itself has to be broken. It can't be the same sound that you'd be Yetzir for a It has to be a different kind of sound. Now, if it's just a question, so you do your minig, I do mine minig. But if it's a question of a Rishonim, of that some Rishonim say that this is the only correct sound and you're not Yetzir if you do it differently, and the other Rishonim say, no, you got to do it the other way and you're not Yetzir if you do it your way, so now it comes to the and I don't know who's right, so I have to be Rishonim for both shitas and I have to blow both types of sounds.
0: But if I did that to Adel uh, Panadam, I would end up all day blowing the shofar. According to all the shitas, it would be it'll be a little bit uh, cumbersome, and may even involve a shiloh from uh, f- from blowing when we not supposed to blow.
1: Yeah. So the the main machlokes rishonim is about the shvarim. There's this other thing with the trua. How to blow trua? The way Ashkenazim blow trua, blow trua, is that they blow through the, through the lips into the shofar, a steady ear column coming up from the lungs into the shofar, is a steady ear column, there's no interruption in the blow, and they break up the sound by manipulating their tongue. Some people intuitively, they shoot their tongue back and forth to, to clog the shofar's hole, and that's why they can't blow afterwards, they can't finish <laughs> the chew, tru- they can't blow. But the professionals use their tongue, they, they wag their tongue in their, in their mouth up and down. They don't go any place near the shofar opening. So, either way, the ear column is one steady ear column, and and you break the sound with your tongue there is a different way of blowing your sh- a, a, a trua which is how these yakis do it and certain svaridim, temanim not the regular syrians but there's certain, certain temanim certain other svaridim, maybe the other, other groups also where they blow nine separate b- bursts of air from their stomach they burst it's nine separate bursts of air and it comes out a different kind of sound now is that a question just a minute there are some people that like to say that that's really machoikish rishonim about that also and that certain rishonim hold that that's the right way to do it um, personally okay i'm not going to take an opinion on, on, on public on the on what i think but it doesn't seem like it's such a big deal whichever way you make the sound it's so if you're convinced that the machoikish rishonim on the shvarim so you want to hear both types of shvarim otherwise it's just a minute but the truer, some people want to hear all the different shittas but From a halachic perspective, it's probably not necessary. So, uh, Rewickler mentioned that there's a Ramah that says in the end of, I think it's in Taf Kuf Yivav, I think think that's where it is, the Ramah says, You're not to blow unnecessarily on Rosh Hashanah. You're not to blow Shaifah on Rosh Hashanah, just like you're not to blow Shaifah on any Shabbos or any Yomt of the year, because that's considered playing music. If you blow Shaifah on Rosh Hashanah, more than what you need to blow, it's us you're doing your ban, or playing music on Rosh Hashanah. The Taz argues and he says that once Chazal permitted shofar blowing on Rosh Hashanah, I mean whatever, they they ate it onto the mitzvah, there's no Israel blowing on Rosh Hashanah, you can blow whatever you want all day with Shashanah. Mishbu makes Mishbur brings this machlekes, and well, some people are Maqbit, they don't blow even one extra sound. And some people are trying to machmir and get every possible sound they can hear.
0: Uh, we we have the, some, some people try to call in. We're not going to take calls for a few more minutes, but I, we hopefully we'll take them. So before we do anything else, somebody did ask where you can get a professional chauffeur, and I think we should mention at least one or two places that you know of, and even though i uh, are not helping any business directly, but we, if people want it, they need it, we've got to get it.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, professional chauffeur, in a lot of stores, Even the main stores here in Flatbush, the big stores will have chafers that are priced $150 and up. I would take a look at those. Some of those are very, very, really, very good. The best chafers I ever bought was a $150 chafers. I bought it in Lower East Side in some Judaic store over there. And I used it one year and it was the easiest chafers I ever had to use. And the following year that chafers disappeared. It just disappeared. (laughs) I had it in my bike basket and it just disappeared. Okay. So I had to go replace that. The Schaefer I replaced it with cost me $300. I bought that in B'nai so that's not going to help the, the caller over no, here.
0: But uh, where, where will you go but you over here, you, it, go you, past you, the go, you
1: go to the, the stores, the local stores here in, in Brooklyn, and you can find Schaefer's that are, for the, the, the higher end of them, a lot of those will be better quality. But I have a friend, Levy Meisner, that lives in Park, and he has a business of selling only the higher end Schaefer's and you can go down to him and he, not uh, not just will you get the a sheifer, but you'll also get perfectly tuned to you because part of the khakhma of choosing a sheifer there's a lot of khakhma choosing a schafer, and you need usually most people need a professional to guide them on how to choose a schafer. not every schafer is made the same and not every person blow every schaefer. so this fella he lives in Barapak and I'll give you his number that's 718 810 Zero one three zero Again, that's 718 810 0130. And he would love to guide you on how to get the Schaefer, which is perfect for you. But there's also, you can try in a lot of Jacob stores and you can get something from the higher end stuff that's, that you can really use.
0: Wow. Okay. So we're really helping this, uh, whoever that was. And uh, all this information really is in the book.
1: Yeah. It's all in the which, book, the Kabbage which is available for, through, our, through Feldheim.
0: Feldheim and all the bookstores, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, before we go on with anything else, I want to take a moment off to discuss uh, an important thing that is no nogea to everybody, and uh, we're going to try to do a little more on, on the chauffeur before we take any other calls. Uh, I don't have time to go through it, but there is a piece that was put out by Reverend Moshe Valle. I hope to put it on my my website, bugfreekosher.com, by tomorrow. I hopefully have the secretary put it up, and you can go there sometime tomorrow and go bugfreekosher.com and you'll see, check the simonim for Rosh Hashanah. It, it's basically a discussion of all the things that people have at the, at the, uh, on Rosh Hashanah night um, for the, the, the simonim for, the, for a good year. The dates and the pomegranates, the apples, the, the gourd, the, the black-eyed peas, the, uh, the, 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 the beets, the leek. The fish head, all of that is discussed. I don't have the time really to go through it now, but you will see it up there. And uh, and, and if, you, if you don't have internet, let somebody else get it for you. Bugfreekosher.com. Rabbi, this yeah. is
1: most uh, question that we got. All basically all the the show about this. If you just risk rec- it quickly, go. Black eyed a pea, uh, piece. That's <laughs> it. I'm telling okay. you this is this black is, eyed
0: peas is two types. Okay. There's the fresh and the dried. The fresh one should open the pod, check for holes, dark crumbs or droppings or signs that worms have been penetrated the beans. Infested pods you remove. So you just look inside for the holes and things like that in the in the in the uh, fresh. It's
1: highly highly uh uh, no, I didn't say that. Because somebody you'll, just... Uh, somebody you'll, just see, you'll see. If you'll okay. see holes,
0: you'll see dark crumbs, you'll see droppings, the little, little, little black things there. You know, that's all. Otherwise, you wouldn't. The dried ones, though, uh, it ha- is a little more involved. You boil it. You have to boil it in, the, in a quantity of water that's three times the size of the uh, black-eyed peas. And when it comes to a boil, you turn off the flame, cover the pot, and let it sit for three hours. The beans swell and the uh, peel becomes translucent. And then you check ten or fifteen beans uh, on the palm of one hand and check for holes or dark colored stain, which indicates that there may be insect underneath the thin peel. Then you place the other palm on top of the beans and turn them over on the other side, uh, the other hand, in order to check the other side of the beans. If there's a dark dark spot on the peel, which is a little translucent thing, remove the skin and check if there's a cavity with a bug in it. In the center of the bean, there's a black... If, the, if, if in the center of the bean there's a black spot, which is, that's not a sign of infestation. Similarly, orange-colored stains on the surface, well, that's not also, also not infestation. If you find three beans that are definitely infested, you found an insect under the skin, then you have to open up all the beans and check inside, which means remove the translucent uh, covering. In a large, if a large number are found to be infested, then it's preferable not to eat the whole batch. So this is what we're really talking about. And if you, again, it will be on, I mean, it's Hashem tomorrow, <laughs> let's say after 12, it'll That's be on free. Uh, bugfreekosher.com. That's my website, one of my websites. Okay, now we're going to, before we go on the, with our guest, Rabbi Avram Wright, we're going to just mention a, a word about our sponsor which is Glottmart, conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. Glottmart, You uh, think of Glottmart, think of price, service, convenience and quality. Whether you f- shop for a few items or for a full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glottmart. And you can save time by using their valet parking service. Just pull into Glottmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up with all those special items that you purchased in the store. And some of the items that are on sale this week starting on Wednesday Beigel's chocolate loaf, 2 dollars Lieber's honey, two pounds for $4.99. Lieber's canola cooking spray, six ounces, $1.39. Hecker's flour, five pounds, two for $5. Coca Cola, regular or diet, with or without caffeine, four for $5. Osa mini croutons, 199 and uh, until Wednesday, which means just today and tomorrow, you can buy family pack, minute steak, $11.99 a pound, veal stew, $9.99 a pound, or pot roast, $8.99 a pound. Those are just some of the items that uh, we're gonna, you can pick up at Glattmart on special prices. And uh, at Glattmart the quality of meats is A1 with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vada Kashrus of Flatbush, with Base Yosef Meats, and with expert Nikur, at Glotmart, you're getting quality Kashrus. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meeting your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dovin Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashrus on the Air over J-Root Radio. And now we're going to go back to our special guest, Rabbi Avram Wright. We're discussing about Shofros and what is most important to me of the whole day, evening is this next question, which is when people make mistakes. Um, you know, it, it always is concerns me that some weird sounds come out sometimes from the chauffeur. Sometimes there's a little a little sound like a in the, in the middle, or sometimes a break in the sounds. These don't sound like it's right. I know a lot of times the person blowing the chauffeur keeps going. He's going, and he, he did this, he did the next one, next one, next one. Um, and, and a lot of times, they don't stop him. And I, I want to know uh, if, uh, if uh, you know, uh, are we to assume that everybody's hitting a home run every day, every time they're up, or are we to assume that there are there's difference in quality between the people who blow chauffeur, and that uh, you know some should get that special train that we're talking about at the show?
1: Okay, I want to answer that question. I want to finish one thought okay. that I almost just didn't get to say in the, in the previous se- segment. Not, it's not necessarily w- worth your time and money to go out and buy a fancy Schoifer before you get coaching. That's one of the things we discuss in the book. That's the Kabe Schoifer, Mastering Schaefer Blowing, it's available through Feldheim. It's in most Judaica stores now. It's by, by myself, Avram Wright. And one thing to discuss is that there's a shidduch within the blower and the shofar. People have different shaped lips, and every shofar mouthpiece is shaped differently, and it has to connect properly. You have to have the right shofar for your mouth. Just because the other guy blew it and was perfect and beautiful, it won't help you. So, so very often I tell, I tell people not to buy the shofar until they get coached the, and know which ma- type of mouthpiece they're looking for. You could go there and you can get a perfect shidduch, without the coaching. But it's preferable to get advice before you head out to the market. Okay, now let's answer your question. And if we have time, and, I, and I'm able to maybe we'll demonstrate a little bit of what you're talking about. When a person blowing makes a mistake, and most often mistakes are predictable, I can tell a guy when he's about to make his mistake because there's a certain pattern that as, as, you know, as a coach, I see it happens to everybody. The two reasons why people make mistakes, the two most common reasons are because they're under pressure, they're feeling tense, they have to get the sound out, and that kills everybody. Once you're tense, your body stops cooperating, you need your lungs to work properly, you need your lips to vibrate properly. Once you get tense, it, and I can hear it coming in the sounds before he starts to get trouble, that's one problem. The other problem is he doesn't take the proper breaths. If a person does not inhale properly before he blows, he's guaranteed to make a problem. If you listen now during Elul, most guys will blow the Shaifer and Elul, they'll blow the tequila, the shrimp and is fine, and the last tequila is, is, is they, go, they go sour. And the reason is because they didn't take a good breath. Even those that take a breath, they don't take a good breath before they blew that last takea. And if anybody out there is blowing, or you, you're, you're, if you're to Belt Tequila, has problems frequently, remind them about the importance of being relaxed and about taking a good breath before every single t'kiyah every single shvarm, every single trua. now, there's halakhic reasons also, according to one sheet in Shekhanarach you're not allowed to take a breath between every t'kiyah and shvarm and t'kiyah or this, you're machuiv. and according to the first opinion in Shekhanarach you're not yoytzev, you don't take the breath but I'm not talking about a regular breath. That's just Hanoch is talking about. I want him to take a really good, deep um, breath, and then you could um, you'll do a much better job blowing. Okay, but let's talk about when the guy didn't follow our advice <laughs> and he messes up. So there's two different things. When he does make the correct sound, the sound is not coming out properly, and he's not able to produce the sound. When that sound is not kosher, that's one question we have to address. Another question you're mentioning is. When he did a good sound, or some of the sounds were good, that he did the tekiah properly, the shvarim properly, when does he have to go? And he's now he's the last tekiah he's messing up. When does he have to go back and repeat the original tekiah and shvarim? Okay, two different topics. Topic number one, according to Shachar I mean according to the basic halacha, a tekiah is one flat sound. Sometimes about the keya, for some any reason, a lot of any number of reasons. It might blow his sound a little bit funny sometimes a bit it's easier and sometimes not let's see if we can demonstrate some of the sounds okay <laughs> you heard there when i started there's a fuzziness right. in the sound okay that was caused by an ear leak my lips were not sealed correctly around the edge of the shofar, and the ear was getting into it but it was a shofar sound it wasn't the ideal sound of a shofar, but kol Any shofar sound is a kosher sound. So that was kosher, provided that I kept it up for the, long, the, the proper length of time. That that sound is kosher. What would have been if I was when I was doing that? I lost it. I lost the sound altogether. I I, I broke. Well, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it now. I lose it, and I re-get it. Where it's dipping up and down, and I'm losing it. So if I if the sound cracks, it's not a tikkia. It's something else, maybe a shvarim, maybe a trua, maybe it's a different name, but it's not a tikkia. So if I didn't get a tikkia in, we're not yoitzer, and that sound has to be repeated.
0: And in most shuls, they have somebody listening. So in every to shul try. is supposed
1: to have a person in charge. Right. Usually the rov, the makri. Especially have a person in charge decide to pass in the bat the key himself can sometimes be the Tamil Chacham who's capable of it. But usually take the pressure, It's better to take the pressure off him and let there be a rub that says, Yes, no. Let's try a different way of fumbling that's <laughs> here. Okay, we we got a lot of different notes notes in there. But the sound didn't crack. It was a steady sound. There's okay. no breaks. So, uh, according to the Shachanarah, according to basic halacha, that sound was kosher. There is a story about Yeshua Ib Diskin that he was mocked that the sound can change notes, it can change tones uh-huh. in the in the taqiyyah. So according to the story of Yeshua Ib Diskin, it's that sound is not kosher. However, it's the the story. There's no clear source to the story. A lot of people tell it to you. They'll tell it to you. About, they'll t- tell you a lot about it. There's a lot of evidence, and they're showing them and the Akronim, that it's not true. That any tone, you know, even if you change tones in the sh- in the it's kosher. And it, I hope it's that way because if if changing tones was a problem, ninety percent of the class would not be yaitz right to the,
0: That's is. But what about that th sound? That sometimes here, where people are, you know, they're not really. It's it's like blowing air in there. It's not really.
1: Here's a show of you. Want. I can't. Do
0: it. I can't blow. I can't blow the good. I mean, I the people listening don't see what I saw because how can this man who knows how to blow be able to mess it up so badly? He was moving the chauffeur around. It looked like it was a revolving door, and that that's how he was able to create the, the different sounds because uh, because it's very hard for him to do something wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Th- thank you for the compliment, but I I don't know what you what you're referring to at this you know what I hear what I hear people doing wrong is what I said is what I demonstrated over here and sometimes when I cracked and I lost the sound even though I picked it up right away that's a problem but as long as I kept the sound going for the right amount of time I'm, I'm good
0: so what other problems would there be in the in the in the uh, blowing the chauffeur what other things that you, would you tell uh, let's say somebody uh, he, he's not doing it right what do you else do here?
1: One issue is the taking the proper breaths. According to the first opinion of Shechan Aruch, you have to take a breath between every sound, every tekiah, the shwarim, the trua, the next tekiah. Well, I mean, the shwarim trua is a like in Shechan Aruch, but between the tekiah to the shwarim to the tekiah, the tekiah to the trua to the tekiah, you have to have a breath in between. Now, if you have a makri, if you have a makri. So just the fact that the Macri has to say that takes a lot that, of time. that takes that really gives you the time. So most likely you took a breath, and even if you didn't, the Lashon Shulchan Aruch actually is not in a breath; but it's Kedai Neshima. Yeah. So they want to say that the, the Mechaber doesn't really require a breath; it's Kedai But the Shulchan Aruch Harav, as called the Gra's Ben he used he in one point he expressed it a lot of times. He repeats it a lot of times. It's like is emphasizing that there has to be a real neshima between it.
0: I don't know if we're going to have a chance to answer any people, that some people have been calling, but we do have a little time left and we're going to accept calls now on the topic of chauffeur, 718-683-5858 or you could text us at 347-927-8398 if you want to call the studio again to speak to Rabbi Wright, but just about Shofer 718 683 5858 we'd love to hear your questions we have a few minutes left or else you can text us at 347 927 8398 a a person wants to start to blow he's he, you know everyone says he does well etc what would you suggest to him to to do to get ready for <laughs> do they get calls ready all right let's let's take their calls more importance. go ahead you're on the air. go ahead you're on Hello? the air with Rabbi Wright. Go ahead, please. Go ahead, you're on the air. Hello, do you hear me? Yes, yes, definitely.
1: Yeah, okay, I wanted to ask you, With the, uh, would, would you know, what's with the Takiyah Godalus? I've seen in certain Makhaymas, they do it after every set, and some places only do it in the last Kaddish. <laughs> okay, you, you gave yourself away that you'd have in Swarid. This is yes. Okay, so, this, this, this is different than Ashkenaz in this? A little, tiny bit different. In the Shul, in the it only mentioned one tokeidah. It quotes the Maril one tokeidah. Sorry, not in the Rambam. Shocher mentions a true kedushah at the end, which is an extra sound, not part of the set. And Mishru says we don't do that. We do point to Maril. We do a tekiyah kedushah. It's only mentioned one time at the final sound. At uh, the Kaddish. But it, well, if you swear it during Kaddish, if you're Ashkenaz, it's iftolein. Hey. The last, the last set, in other the words. The last one. That's but. But, but, that's assuming that the last tekiyas were blown after a, a, a Kaddish, after Aleinu. But the Shechanor doesn't even mention those tekiyas, And many machzorim, even as late as printed in the 1920s, didn't have tekiyas. They weren't mentioned there. Right. The ticillas, it's the, but, so it's really just the final tekiah. But there is a meaning, and it's printed in many, many machzorim, that the last tekiah of every set is marked at the you want because one of the reasons for the tekih is the mark that we finished this the mitzvah so the first 30 before shmer esrei are the mitzvah de raisa. the next 30 blown during shmer esrei during it is fired the still shmer esrei and according to everybody during um those 30 are a mitzvah button of blowing shoifer during shmer esrei so some people blow a tekih there also then, then, the last set of the case, which is born after everything, which is the final case of the day, again, there's a meaning to end that, also to show that it's the end of the with a tkiyah Now, it's interesting, somebody was just talking about this this morning. Some people don't want to say the word they want The macro doesn't say the word g'dayla because he does not want to talk out. It's an extra word that he doesn't really need to say. So the Maqam doesn't say the word G'dayla. But the Mbal has to know that even though he didn't say it, it's the last takeiya of that set, and he should extend his Takiyah that Takiyah to be a little bit longer. Now how long is the Takiyah That's a good question. There's no rule. It doesn't say in Shilchan But there is my rule. The real says that you should never blow your Takiyah longer than necessary, because once people stop listening, they're not being Yaitzah. Mm-hmm. And if, they're not, and if they're not being mechavan to be yoytzer, they lost the whole tekiah. Not just the extra part. they going to Maril, they lost the whole tekiah. Mishapur brings part of this Maril. But therefore, it's advisable for the Baal never to blow longer than he needs to. Whatever this Rav says, the share of the is four seconds, six seconds, nine seconds, whatever the share is, blow that amount and don't blow it an extra second because you're likely to lose people. And those people, because you're showing your extra little bit of getting that little drop of air, people are going to lose the mitzvah.
0: Thank you very much for the call. Okay, thank you. Uh, I know, I know, I know. We have another caller, but you know, yeah. the black eye. It just says... Uh, hello, you are on there? Go ahead. Oh, hi, no, I understand. I, I was explained that if you buy the fresh black eye peas, then you have to soak it. It sounds very complicated. I just bought a can of black eye peas, and it has an MK from Canada. It's canned pe- uh, black eyed peas. I, I, I can't answer you. I, uh, you'll have to. Uh, if you'll call me at the office, I will direct you in the right way. 718-336-8544. Right now I can't say anything, but if you call me there at 718-336-8544. I will take care of whatever you're asking me now. Okay, thank you. The same thing with the frozen one, right? Okay. Uh, someone okay. Is, uh, is texted in, is taking a breath only by mouth or, by, or through the nose as well?
1: A professional is capable of taking a breath through his mouth without ruining his stance but a non-professional which is 80% of us <laughs> should never dare open his mouth once he puts the shoifa on his mouth. All his breathing should be done through his nose, deep breaths, even if people hear you inhaling don't worry about it but a, if you, unless you're a professional who, who's convinced that you can reseal your lips around your shofar properly um, don't you dare open your mouth! I do. F- I find that so many people, so many people, have a hard time restarting. They take a breath, let's say between the t- between the t- and the trua, they can't blow a trua t- because they took a breath. They open their lips, unless you're professionally trained in how to open your mouth. Don't open your mouth to take a breath. Always take it through your nose. We we just I'm,
0: I'm interested. I, mean, I started to ask before what. What would you suggest to people if they, they should become a, uh, whether they should become a, uh, a, a balteki or not? The guy who blows in the shul and everyone likes it, etc. What would you say to him? What we? How would you direct him in terms of whether he should take this on? How should he know if he should take it on? Because in the beginning, he could be fooling himself and maybe uh, making some of those mistakes that there he, is, he is a dearth
1: of qualified key in this world. We need much more of them. Oh, very good. So anybody who's capable and motivated should definitely take on the job. How do you do it? Read the book.
0: The <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Another calling. Go ahead. You're on on the air. Can we help you?
1: Yes, I wanted to ask somebody right
0: a question. Um, um, when the Shuai I blow, they they do a lot of times that you know they do the Tkir shvarim, and then sometimes they have to repeat the Tkir. So and the people we don't know if it's the First or the last tekiya? So someone told me R' holds that it's
1: okay, and then I saw R' Maybe it's problem. I wasn't sure. I, I want to know what's the Okay. If you don't know which tekiya it is, it, and, uh, you're quoting R' and R' I don't know okay. what your sources for those are, but it's a machaber, and it's not a problem. If you don't know which, if you don't know if it's tekiya rishayin or tekiya achrayinah, it's not a problem. Maybe that's somebody who argues, and that's why you're quoting contemporary place? Can no, I don't, well. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not this sure. Is, now, this, but is but, but, yeah, this is a question. Of the true or the shwarim? Well, but I, I want to finish your first question. It would be wise on the part of the makri that if he ever asked his baltakea to go back, he should somehow or other inform the audience what's happening. He should give a patch on the beam or something mm-hmm. or something. They should let the audience know what's going on. People like to be informed what's going on. Okay, that's the, the next
0: That's what they say in the yeshiva. They and in in the they, they, they they tell him they let they let, it, they let the olim know. It. Yeah,
1: but if he, if he just announces v- verbally, or, or he's not going to let everybody know. Not the whole olim is in hearing. They're just the people around them are hearing. No, you know, no, 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 no. No, hear,
0: no, he makes a nice loud announcement because he, because dafka because he wants people to know which which uh, the key they're up to, right?
1: Okay, what was the second question?
0: So let's say you don't know if it's the the shverm, the
1: key for the swarm or the key for the tour. Is that a problem? It shouldn't be a problem. It shouldn't it's be a problem. A problem. Think, and also one more question. If you don't if I say there's a voice in between, the heftic you know, the it was the halfersh key and it was
0: no good. Is that a heapsic
1: between that and the sperm? That's a good question. Rebekli w- asked me that question if, if I, if yeah. to discuss that question oh. to begin with. And I told them it's an HTBT. You know what that means. You've got to be there on the spot. Uh, There's too many variables how that can come out. I can't, I can't know if it, what, what you're hearing. I have to be there and say, that was good, that was no good.
0: No, he's saying what it was said by the mockery that the sound that he made wasn't good. But the point is that how does how does that another call right yeah. one minute okay yeah how, it, it, the it, the uh, the sound that the was not a good sound but that doesn't that invalidate what we were doing you know as we were we were trying to do the, oh if sure the
1: sound's stuff. not good did you lose the previous sound is that the right, question right right is there a hysteric so mm-hmm. according fact, to Shocher most of the time not but it's gonna you know, depend on a lot of factors and they're signaling to me only have few seconds left.
0: Oh, give us one, one time it would be not
1: good. One time would be not good if, it co- if that, that sound was kosher, at least according to one opinion, as something. Then you may have to repeat ah, the, um, the sound. whether it's, it's, it's kosher, or not, you have to repeat it from the beginning.
0: Thank you for calling in. Uh, we, we didn't touch the kavanot of the bala. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> this is not uh, this a different program. There's so much program. to talk about. Okay. You know. I know we have only 50 seconds uh, to the show. So, I want to thank very much uh, Rabbi Wright for joining us. We'll mention the, na- <laughs> the name of the book again because you can find it in the Swarm stores. And if you don't find the Swarm stores, I suppose we'll have to yeah. get it available, make it available somehow. Tekab Beshofer, T E K A Beshofer, B E S H O F A R, Mastering Shofer Blowing, and you will become a master. And then we will, won't have with dearth anymore with your book <laughs> <laughs> uh, by Avram Wright, R E I T. And it's a uh, Feldheim book, and it's in, hopefully in all the Swarm stores. It should get you ready to blow with the chauffeur for Rosh Hashanah. And I would thank everyone for listening to uh, Kashmas on the air. In the Mir I'll try to get Rabbi right back to discuss the, uh, the, 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 the how to shop for a and of for the next show. And we won't be on, of course, next week, but in two weeks, in Mir Okay.
1: Shana tova. Shana Yeah,